This is Jay Kennedy of the Center for Anti-Counterfeiting and Product Protection, and you're listening to IP Friday. Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 100 of the IP Fridays podcast. I'm your co-host, Ken Suzanne. Rolf and I are very happy to have co-produced and presented 100 episodes of our podcast, noting that our first episode premiered back in May 2014. We both hope to continue creating valuable content for your listening enjoyment and hope that you will continue to be a loyal listener. As always, please reach out to us if you have a comment or suggestion for a future guest. There are links to reach us via our website at www.ipfridays.com. Also, we are pleased to announce that our podcast is now carried on Spotify, another platform where you can find and follow us. Today's guest is Dr. J.P. Kennedy, Assistant Professor at the School of Criminal Justice at Michigan State University. Dr. Kennedy is also jointly appointed to the Center for Anti-Counterfeiting and Product Production, or ACAP which, according to their website, is an independent, interdisciplinary, evidence-based hub whose activities focus on research, education, and outreach, designed to assist in protecting brands and products of all industries worldwide. We'll talk to Professor Kennedy about his research and the work of ACAP today. But first, let's look at an interesting story out of India. Regardless of how you feel about globalism, one thing is clear. It disrupts small businesses. This is abundantly apparent when multi-billion dollar companies, empowered by delivery services, reach deep into a developing market. Case in point, the recent e-commerce battle of India versus Amazon and Walmart. Online retailers have begun investing billions of dollars in India, worrying small businesses. Prompted by interest groups and perhaps an upcoming national election, India recently enacted a protective e-commerce law to shore up its small and domestic retailers. By fostering competition, the government hopes to spur more equitable sales policies. Following months of antitrust petitions, the law took effect on February 1st. According to Reuters, it bars, quote, online retailers from selling products via vendors in which they have an equity interest and also from making deals with sellers to sell exclusively on their platforms, close quote. The move drew ire from the online retailers Amazon, which planned to invest $5.5 billion in India, and Walmart, which just bought Indian company Flipkart for more than $16 billion. The online retail giants campaigned hard against the rule, ultimately receiving a concession that private labels can continue to be sold online. There is a lot on the line, reports Business Insider. The Indian e-commerce industry is projected to grow from $38.5 billion in 2017 to $200 billion by 2026. Some see it as foreign direct investment, 
others see it as an existential threat to economic sovereignty. Both parties are likely right. Now on to today's interview with Dr. J.P. Kennedy. Our guest today on IP Fridays is Dr. J. Kennedy. Dr. J. Kennedy is an assistant professor jointly appointed to the School of Criminal Justice and the Center for Anti-Counterfeiting and Product Protection, also known as ACAP. In this role, he is actively involved in research, education, and outreach efforts that focus on external partners, including corporations, industry associations, and law enforcement agencies. His current research explores managerial and organizational responses to employee theft within small and medium enterprises, the incarceration and post-incarceration experiences of white-collar offenders, the sale of counterfeit goods on the internet, and the structure of occupational pharmaceutical counterfeiting schemes. Dr. Kennedy's work has been published in a number of outlets, including American Behavioral Scientist, Criminal Justice Review, Journal of Crime and Justice, Journal of Financial Crime, Security Journal, and Victims and Offenders. Welcome, Professor Kennedy, to IP Fridays. Thank you for having me. So, Professor Kennedy, can you tell us uh, exactly uh, about what ACAP does and how it serves brand owners, law enforcement, uh, the academy, and society? Sure. So, ACAP is an acronym for the Center for Anti-Counterfeiting and Product Protection. Uh, We are an academic center housed within the College of Social Science at Michigan State University, and our goal is to use research, education, and outreach to inform multiple stakeholders on the issues that relate to product counterfeiting. And so in doing this, we've really started out by taking the approach uh, mainly brand owners, uh, but also law enforcement uh, and other partners who are looking to address this issue. How can we assist them in their jobs by using evidence-based research uh, and policies that will ultimately mitigate opportunities for this crime to continue to proliferate? We take a very, uh, in one way, pragmatic approach in that we definitely understand that there's no way that we can eliminate wholesale uh, in every corner of the world, we cannot eliminate the product, the problem of product counterfeiting, uh, but we can, and we know this, we can find ways to make it less likely that this crime occurs and less likely that people are harmed by it. And so the work that we do nat- naturally translates into uh, suggestions for the way in which brand owners can not only run their brand protection teams, but also implement guardianship mechanisms to ensure that they are not violated. Uh, we assist law enforcement by trying to understand interventions uh, responding to these issues. We assist the academy through the development of research and theory in this emerging area. Um, there's been some research in this area, but not a uh, not a lot. Uh, and so we try and cut sort of cross-disciplinary from that perspective uh, to find ways to engage our academic partners. And then for society, uh, all the work that we do helps to generally reduce the likelihood that an individual like you or I uh, would become a victim of these problems. Um, Professor Kennedy, can you tell me what your specific role is within ACAP? Sure. So my role is uh, I am an assistant professor. My primary responsibilities revolve around research. Uh, and so I am supposed to, um, in 
that I've been doing for the past several years, generating new research questions, working with our brand owner and law enforcement and academic partners to figure out what's important to them, and then from those questions, developing research studies and then conducting the research, doing the analyses, and then writing up reports or publishing articles to disseminate that knowledge. Uh, additionally, I'm responsible for taking that research and translating it into educational products uh, that we can then move out to our brand donor partners and, uh, and our law enforcement partners, and in some cases to society more generally. And tell me, uh, with we respect- want to. Oh, go ahead. So, uh, no, sorry. Um, uh, real quick, we, we want to take our research and make it practically applicable so that multiple people can benefit from it. Mm-hmm. With respect to law enforcement, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do for law enforcement? Sure. Uh, so we do kind of a couple of different levels of training uh, and education for laws and law enforcement. Um, so one of the basic things that we do is do just some basic introduction uh, for law enforcement individuals who may not have had exposure um, to issues of product counterfeiting or formal training. We provide them um, uh, some basic level training that they can take on what product counterfeiting actually is, who it hurts, uh, how to work with brand owners and engage with other partners. Uh, we also do some advanced level training that's uh, kind of rolled in with our brand owner training uh, where we talk about best practices for building collaborative relationships, for data and information sharing, uh, ways to use criminological theory to address the issue of product counterfeiting as a way to give them ideas for how they can be more effective in what they do. The other thing that we do is we create uh, sort of a hub uh, which connects our brand owners to our law enforcement partners with the goal of facilitating communication and information sharing. Mm-hmm. Now, with respect to also on ACAP uh, and your professional life, what is it that about your professional life and academic uh, preparation that makes you a good fit within ACAP? So I'm kind of a unique um a unique entity within criminal justice and from the academic side. Uh, prior to attending graduate school, I spent uh, about eight and a half years working for a variety of companies. Um, and unbeknownst to me, I, I addressed some IP issues, particularly with a firm, a uh, manufacturing firm for which I worked uh, when we were considering moving into China with our product. Um, background and the understanding of the way in which business actually works, um, the difficulties and challenges that can you know that can come up as you're working across functional divisions uh, and uh, different entities within the same organization that have different goals. Addressing those challenges is important when we try and translate our research uh, into actionable solutions for brand owners. We've got to be cognizant of the real-life issues that they face. Uh, the other part of my preparation, although I've got a, a Ph.D. in criminal justice, I also have an MBA, and so um, that really made me attractive to the center uh, when they were looking to expand because not only do I have the experiential background from an organizational standpoint, but I've also got the academic academic background of understanding strategic management, finance, um, the ways in which organizational decisions can impact um, long-term the business not only from a revenue standpoint, but also from an operational standpoint. Uh, and those things are vastly important when we talk about brand protection activities, activities that don't generate hard bottom, bottom line dollars, but are still necessary to the organization. Um, looking at research that you've conducted, what has been the most interesting research project that you can share with our listeners while at ACAP? 
Yeah, so um, I'll say there's there's been two. One is ongoing. Um, the other one uh, I, I've completed. Um, the the one that's completed was a study of uh, what we've termed occupational pharmaceutical counterfeiters. So these are individuals who are licensed health care providers here in the U.S., doctors, pharmacists, nurses, who have willfully engaged in pharmaceutical counterfeiting or the adulteration of drugs um, and uh, distributed those to patients. And why this was really interesting to me was, one, it kind of looked at the... Um, the interworkings of a counterfeiter who leverages the legitimate supply chain, uh, the legitimate healthcare system, and their standing as a legitimate healthcare provider to engage in a deviant act, uh, but also from a behavioral perspective to understand in some small part why these individuals were doing these things, uh, to see the patterns that emerged, uh, and ultimately to identify some potential remedies or um, interventions that can be done to identify these uh, these cases early on and, and prevent harm from future patients. The one that's ongoing uh, is uh, a study of, in essence, it's sort of two studies wrapped together, uh, but basically looking at brand protection and anti-counterfeiting at the local law enforcement level. Mm -hmm. uh, so I recently had a paper accepted that looks at citizens' willingness to support funding for anti-counterfeiting efforts. Uh, and we found that individuals who are victimized by product counterfeiting uh, are those who are the most ardent supporters uh, of willing uh, to support funding through increased taxes uh, or other means. Um, and then we're also doing a study now looking at the actual activities of local law enforcement as they go about investigating product counterfeiting, tobacco stamp um, inspections, and how those law enforcement agencies work with brand owners directly and indirectly um, through representatives of brand owners in the field. Mm -hmm. uh, Risto, maybe one or two more questions before we wrap up. What trends mm -hmm. are you seeing with respect to counterfeit goods, both online and on the ground? Yeah, so um, in terms of goods, I can't say that we've seen many trends in terms of the shifting nature of the goods, right? So the product mix, I guess we could say. And mm -hmm. I'm going to think from a U.S. perspective because that's where I'm most familiar. Right. Um, it was still dominated by electronics, you know, um, luxury products, purses, watches. Um, you know, the big seizure in L.A. of cosmetics got a lot of play. Uh, but, you know, cosmetics and, and health and beauty products have been an issue for a while. Um, it was just the value of the seizure that, that you know, got, got some attention. So we haven't really seen shifts in the types of products. What we have seen are shifts in locations from which these products arrive and the method by which they're sent. Uh, so over the past few years, there's been a dramatic increase in the volume of counterfeit goods moving through international mail facilities. And so that tells us that instead of sending in bulk orders to one sort of distribution hub within the United States, and then it being those shipments being parsed up into smaller shipments and sent out, that there's a lot more direct-to-customer shipments going on. Uh, this can be driven is it driven in large part by pharmaceuticals, but also the e-commerce environment is driving a lot of that. Mm -hmm. uh, the other shift is you know again where the where these goods are coming from, and uh, while China is still the dominant player, its proportion 
uh, of the pie has been decreasing in recent years. And we can chalk that up to a number of issues, right? So their manufacturing environment is shifting, um, their economy is changing, uh, the, the demand for consumer goods within China is changing, they're no longer the sort of low-cost manufacturing hub. And while they still have a ton of capacity, um, you know, there's more excess and unutilized capacity today because other places are are sort of sucking up um, uh, those opportunities. And so we've been seeing that shifting, uh, that shifting location uh, of counterfeit goods, that point of origination changing. Um, I, I do want to say real quickly that the, the role of free trade zones, uh, I think, will continue to shift um, the sophistication of networks that are used in product counterfeiting. Uh, making it, one, more difficult for us to determine sort of where the point of origin is, uh, and two, more difficult to pull out the illegitimate products from legitimate products uh, as these things get intermingled uh, within the supply chain. Professor Kennedy, how can listeners learn more about ACAP and your um, your practice uh, on these issues? Sure. Um, so ACAP, uh, the ACAP website is uh, a dash capp.msu.edu and on that website there's contact information to myself uh, the director Jeff Rojek uh, Carrie Camel our outreach specialist uh, and so you can reach out to us directly we've also put on there um, all of our search and so there are links to our two paper series the ACAP paper series and our backgrounder series we have links to our academic articles some of those you need a subscription to obtain uh, and so uh, users may not be able to gain access to them directly, uh, but if they'd like synopses of them, you know, they can just reach out to us, and we're more than happy to provide them. They can also find links to uh, our educational offerings, uh, so the uh, executive educations that we offer, the online courses, the self-paced courses. Uh, they can find a link to the BPP, which is a brand protection professional. Uh, it is our professional-focused journal. Uh, that comes up that has done uh, very, very well. It's been very well received. That is free to access. All you have to do is sign up, uh, subscribe to it, and you'll get that right in your email. Uh, they can also uh, check out our events, uh, so where we'll be speaking next, uh, and also the Brand Protection Summit, uh, which is a brand owner-focused summit uh, gathering that we hold in East Lansing every year. We bring together brand owners and law enforcement and our academic partners to talk about very important issues in product counterfeiting. Excellent. Professor Kennedy, thank you so much for spending time with us today on IP Fridays. Thank you very much, Ken. I greatly appreciate the opportunity. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com iTunes, and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. 
You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.